Hey, you're listening to Continental Drift Student Spotlights, where I present you with interviews I've done with Muhlenberg students, faculty, alumni, and even people outside of the Muhlen bubble. All of this is my way of trying to collect stories about how COVID-19 and Black Lives Matter have affected the people important to me and probably important to you too. You can get more updates about my show on Instagram at continentaldrift.wmuh or you can listen to my radio show where I air these interviews live every Monday, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on 91.7 FM, or go to wmuh.org. Again, that's every Monday, 8 to 10 p.m. But that's not why we're here. We're here for these stories. And thank you so much for listening to them. Today, I have Rebecca with me, a really good friend of mine from Muhlenberg, and I wanted to hear about her experience studying abroad, especially with this pandemic ending that prematurely, and her insight in general about the amazing opportunities and experiences she's had because she's amazing to talk to in general. I've always known this. (laughs) So, Rebecca, do do you think you could tell us a little bit about yourself and anything you feel like the listener should know. Yeah, of course. You're so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be a senior at Muhlenberg College. I'm a neuroscience major. And basically what you, what you were just saying, we're going to talk about my study abroad experience. I went to Florence, Italy, and I studied at Florence University of the Arts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so... I want to obviously get into that a bit more and hear about what that experience was like, you know, just in case anyone did not pick up on the fact that she just said Florence, as in Florence, Italy, which, <laughs> you know, when this whole pandemic started, like, it, That's where it was. Yep, everyone started, you know, reacting a little differently when it started hitting Italy. Like, I feel like that's when I started hearing things on campus about being more prepared and stuff. Uh, So I wanted to hear about your experience, what it was like before receiving the news that you had to return, like when you were there, and even hear about what was your experience like transitioning back to the States? Yeah, of course. It was, it was amazing. Mm -hmm. I just, I remember having this feeling of after a year of anticipation, I was finally actually in Italy. Mm -hmm. Um, And I went in with this open mind and was shown a whole new way of life. I mean, Mm. the social conventions in Italy are just totally different from here. Mm. Um, I fell in love with like the sights and the sounds and the food. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, if you're asking about social conventions, um, you can literally be smiling at someone on the street and they'll think you might be interested in them. And if you feed the pigeons on the street, then that's like you can be fined for that. Things that you wouldn't expect to be an issue mm-hmm. or just, they're not, they're not the same conventions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I feel like while I was there, I really adopted this mindset of what the Italians call dolce fa niente, mm-hmm. which means the, the sweet bliss of doing nothing. Mm. And I think that's something you can relate to too, Michelle. Like we're both very oriented, organized, structured people, mm-hmm. but taking some kind of time to just sit and take a walk or a Mm -hmm. stroll down the park for the sheer purpose of 
going on a walk yeah. is something that I had never considered before I went to Italy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like, like you just said, being so structured and goal-oriented sometimes makes me feel like every single second has to be about something. But I love that, you know, the, the beauty in just being and you're yeah. just existing. That's mm-hmm. okay, too. Yeah, it was, it was just beautiful and amazing to be there. And when we heard the news that we were supposed to come home, I mean, there was just such a range of emotions. Like, mm-hmm. I stress ate so many biscotti, let me tell you. <laughs> And uh, we had we had like these roommate discussions where we would just stay up and talk about current events and oh my gosh there's not enough masks for everybody what are we gonna do healthcare workers are struggling and mm-hmm. where this is becoming a serious issue mm-hmm. um, and I remember after one of these meetings at like two a.m. we were up super late we went to the top of Piazzale Michelangelo, which is um, a lookout point where you can see the entire city of Florence mm-hmm. with the shimmering lights at night. It was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of sat and reflected and realized the intense sadness of everything that could have been was suddenly taken away from us. Yeah. 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 yeah so that was, that was very hard. And I think it is amazing that you had that moment, though, that you could be that self-aware of what was happening around you, even though I don't think you had much of a choice. Just you'd learn so much about just being and enjoying these walks. And then suddenly so much is changing all around you. Um, I wanted to know. So you were saying like you were talking about the current events and like, oh, there's not enough masks, healthcare workers. Was it that you from where you were, you were looking at the states or was it around you, this, you know, sense of fear? Like, mm-hmm. Because I only know it from, you know, the U.S. perspective yeah. as a Muhlenberg student on campus. Mm-hmm. What did that look like for you? Yeah, that's a great question. While we were there, it didn't feel too intense until one day it just felt like the streets were suddenly more empty. Mm-hmm. People were out wearing masks. Mm-hmm. Um, there was like very, very populated restaurants. People would just like not come in and I'd stop and talk to locals. We had this one waitress that was very passionate and she was like very frustrated thinking the virus was an overstatement saying, oh, you guys need to stay. Mm-hmm. It's not that big a deal. It's, it's hurting our economy, but you guys need to stay. So there were a lot of Italians still had this faith in the system and in their government mm-hmm. to be able to overcome this. But I think it was so early on that no one understood the massiveness of yeah. the, the virus at that point. Yeah. So it's I interesting mean, to see how it progressed. It, exactly. And I feel like there was so much miscommunication and varying information thrown mm-hmm. around at all points. So I, that's why I knew I needed to have you on my show to hear about <laughs> What like I can't even comprehend what it would be yeah. like not being at home and facing like your whole world changing. Yeah, it was like a ghost town all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. So, uh, what were you studying though? Like, so you where did you say you were again? Like, I was at the Florence University in the Arts. Mm-hmm. So I studied like literature and art. I took a sketchbook class, mm-hmm. um, world religions, a lot of just various things that they offered. Mm-hmm. fun classes. Mm-hmm. And so after transitioning back to the States, what did that look like, you know, coming home and have you been able to carry anything that you learned, like, you know, those classes you were taking, mm-hmm. did you get to continue that here? 
Yeah, we got to all of those classes went online, but um, one of the one of the classes I was taking was health and fitness. So <laughs> it was going to be, you know, rowing on the Arno, biking through um, the city and those kinds of things. It's just not the same when you're not doing it in person. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I also felt like a re- reversed kind of culture shock when I came back to the U.S. Everything is huge here and <laughs> everybody drives instead of riding Vespas. Nobody walks on the street and I just, I, for a moment I was like, am I even an American? Why is this weird to me right now? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, so it was, yeah. You, you go ahead. No, no, it's, I once heard someone from the International Students Association talk about how, you know, the minute you are in a different country, you're an international student, you know, if you're studying there. And we, you know, we have our international students at Muhlenberg speak about their experiences. And when you study abroad, like you, you're part of that, you're part of that community. And so I think it's, we, you know, you and I both are neuroscience majors, and we've learned a lot about what it's like to embody certain experiences and how there are certain feelings that you just will never have access to because you yeah. did not experience that but you in a way got to touch on that a little yes yes i i love that you're going there i think um being there gave me this experience of being othered and mm-hmm. recognizing that language is such an essential part of identity because mm-hmm. when i when i got there i realized that i couldn't express myself in the same ways that i could hear mm-hmm. um I was back to very basic vocabulary and feeling uncomfortable not knowing where to bring my organic waste versus my regular waste, not knowing where to buy a bus ticket or the fact that I had to stamp a bus ticket before I went on the bus or mm-hmm. I'd be taxed. Like mm-hmm. all of those things make you feel like like an outsider, like an like mm-hmm. an immigrant. That's basically what my experience was, which is something that is like I wouldn't trade that experience for the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, and as you were saying that, this this is obviously off topic of what I had originally <laughs> thought. But what you just said about these different uh, things that you had to know, right? It reminds me of what we learned about in mind and brain about the different rules and strategies that are just yeah. kind of implicit in any society and either you have the privilege of knowing all of them or you are always playing catch-up so it sounds like you were playing catch-up on what what are the different rules and what are my strategies to attain those rules yes that's a perfect analogy I felt like everything that I experienced or learned in my classes while I was there somehow related back to neuroscience Mm. yeah yeah so I I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, now you're in the Rockefeller University summer undergraduate program, like the (laughs) alternative program that you're doing. Um, And I wanted to highlight something that we were both talking about on LinkedIn, about how our canceled internship experiences shouldn't be silenced. Like you specifically wrote that the cancellation of the opportunity does not diminish the value of earning that opportunity. And I think actually, I know like I wanted to talk about that, but I just realized that that actually applies to the study abroad experience too, you know, even though the yeah. rest of it went away, that doesn't diminish the value of like what would have been or what you've made out of it. Like what, mm-hmm. what do you think on that? Yeah, I think that that's a really important thing to recognize. I mean, I know from my personal experience, I spent most of my winter break preparing um, my applications for summer programs to set mm-hmm. up this internship. And 
for study abroad, like I mentioned, it's a year in the making. You start figuring out where you're going and sending in checks and doing all the paperwork when you're a sophomore. So it, you know, it all accumulates to this like one part, one point where you're actually getting there. And Mm -hmm. then to have it suddenly shortened is, is really upsetting. But I think putting it in perspective is huge because Mm -hmm. I still, I still got a a whole month in Europe and Mm -hmm. there are people who are going to study abroad in the fall. And now all of those programs are canceled. So Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. have been preparing and they don't even get to go. Mm -hmm. So, but that that doesn't take away from the fact that they got the experience of preparing to be abroad. That's still mm-hmm. important and um, measurable and meaningful work. Mm-hmm. 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 And I, I know we didn't get to elaborate on what that undergraduate program you're doing looks like, but I wanted to mention that because I really want listeners to hear about how diverse your interests are and how well-rounded I mean it's been one of my favorite things about you since (laughs) but I think that when we have such varying perspectives that kind of feel like it's all over the place it might seem like oh okay how do we tie this all together how does this move us forward you know so you know what guides you in making it all tie together one second you're learning about history the next second you know you're pursuing your bachelor's in science. (laughs) That's, yeah, that's a great question. I'm sure the thing, the same could be said for you. You're someone who writes books and does podcasts and top notch and you're still a neuro major. So (laughs) it's the same situation. But for me, I I feel like everything that I do, it, it contributes to like personality and identity. And it all honestly comes back to my study of science. Um, we started talking earlier about the different connections to neuro, but even in my Florence sketchbook class, I would try to draw perspective buildings and I would just think of epochy in the natural attitude mm-hmm. and saying, I have to bracket the natural attitude in order to understand what I'm actually seeing and not what society thinks I should be seeing to draw the picture accurately. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in my like world religions class, we're learning about Hinduism, Buddhism. They both value the self which is all the focus of mind and brain and understanding Mm -hmm. the atman versus brahman like Mm -hmm. individual soul versus a universal soul is Mm -hmm. so interesting and relevant to neuropsychology and neurophilosophy Mm -hmm. do you think any of that is going to carry over directly into you know maybe your research or future pursuits or i mean actually the minute I asked that question, I just realized that maybe it doesn't have to. Maybe it's just implicitly a part of our experience and guide yeah. us anyway. <laughs> I love that we just always have these conversations. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> it always comes back to mind and brain. Yeah, I think, I think it's a part of, it's going to be a part of who I am for a long time. Um, probably the rest of my life. I remember sitting in Dr. Tessera's office and Um, He's the department head chair of um, neuroscience at Muhlenberg Mm -hmm. and asking him, should I go to Copenhagen because there are better opportunities for science majors there? There's better Mm -hmm. classes. Mm -hmm. And he told me, don't go somewhere for the classes, go somewhere for the place. And Mm -hmm. I thought that was really valuable advice because it shows that he cares about my development as a person, Mm -hmm. well-roundedness and not just being strictly a science major, which is something that is really unique. Yeah, it definitely is. And I think I've had experience with first year students like as a writing assistant and their questions at the beginning of the semester is always, should I do this? Should I do that? Can I do this? All that. 
And basically how Dr. Tessera advised you is how I was trying to answer their questions that if Mm -hmm. you base it off of, you know, this specific path, you will very easily be led astray because it does not always follow the way that you intended it. And I think Mm -hmm. um, a lot of their concerns too would be, uh, what if, you know, what if I want to do this and I built myself up a certain way and I don't get to do like this particular thing? Maybe medical school. You know, I hear a lot of pre-med students worried that they're not doing the right pre-med requirements. But at the end of the day, if you build yourself up a certain way, you made those decisions for you, which will guide you to where you're supposed to be. I feel like that's what you were thinking by going to Florence, right? Yeah. And I think think the differences in people is what makes them the most interesting and best Mm -hmm. candidates for things. When I go and apply to grad school, a very small percentage of people go abroad. Mm -hmm. So having that experience, yes, it might have taken away from the rigorous cookie cutter classes that Mm -hmm. a lot of other people are using that time to do. But I also got cultural awareness, which is something Mm -hmm. most people don't get until mid middle age of their lives, maybe never in their lives. So I I always, I found that more valuable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, I don't think I'm ever going to forget the fact that you a few minutes ago said that you were doing sketches and doing sketches, you were sketching. (laughs) (laughs) You were trying to bracket the natural attitude to figure out, you know, how can you see it differently? Like, the intersections of all that we've been taught just shows up in different ways. And I think it's a matter of you being aware of that and cultivating that awareness. So thank you so much for making that explicit (laughs) for anyone listening. Of course. (laughs) So now that we're down to our last minute, do you have any closing message you'd like to leave with the listeners? Yeah, sure. I think what's important for me is that even though my experience was cut short by COVID-19, I still am not going to let that define my experience. Um, I had a great time in Florence and I'll treasure everything that I got to do there forever. Mm -hmm. Um, And even though a lot of places in the world are suffering right now, I think we just need to be kind to each other and to ourselves and unite instead of fight each other. Wow. Thank you so, so much, Rebecca. I wish you could see how big thank I'm smiling you. right now. Oh, <laughs> thank you so much for thinking to interview me. This is so fun. I love it. And that wraps up my interview with Rebecca. When I was first preparing for this interview, I really envisioned it just being about, oh, what was it like to be in Italy when the coronavirus struck? Struck. Yeah, because it is a storm that came along. In a way, it was. But anyway, I really thought that's what our conversation would solely be about. But of course, as usual, Rebecca spun it into this amazing story about mind and brain and being aware of the rules and strategies in our society. And I'm just so grateful for this conversation. So Rebecca, if you're listening, thank you for this interview. And now you, listener... Thank you for listening to this. As I've said for the past few spotlights, I am so grateful that we have this chance to sit together and listen to these stories because even if we can't run into each other on Academic Row at Muhlenberg or, I don't know, if you're not even from Muhlenberg, just run into these people in general because of, you know, 
social distancing and a weird time. Despite all of that, I love that we have this chance to still listen to each other's stories. So I value you immensely for being here. And if you really liked this conversation with Rebecca and you want to hear a little bit more about the study abroad experience and, you know, how COVID affected that for someone else, then you might really be interested in the previous episode, my spotlight with Amisha Datta. And she studied abroad, studied abroad in Dublin and London. So maybe give that a lesson. And if not maybe share this with someone that you love or would be interested in this because I would really love to circulate these stories since each person I interviewed truly deserves a huge stage and just a wider range of people listening to what they have to say. So anyway, that's all I have for today's episode. Again, thank you for being here and I can't wait for you to listen to the next one.